Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Knight and this is My Seminary Life, the show where I recap the things I'm studying in grad school right now. Let's get started. Well, here we are now entering into the home stretch on discipleship methods. We got this week and next week and we will be done and we will be on our way to Christmas break And I am ready for it. I am ready for Christmas break. Let me tell you, folks, I am exhausted. And it's not just because of school. It's just there's a lot going on right now. So I am ready for a break. But hey, even after our final episode for Discipleship Methods, there will be one more episode. That's right, folks. The first ever Annual, because that's how people incorrectly use the word annual. The first ever annual My Seminary Life holiday episode. It's going to be great. We're going to recap the year of all the things we've been talking about. I'm going to go over the business, business, business end of the show of different things that have been going on on my side, analytically, numbers and whatnot. And then we're going to look forward to the future all while also spending some time enjoying the holiday season. We'll talk holidays as well. It's going to be a blast. So we got this episode. We have next week's finale on Discipleship Methane. Not long after that, I believe it will be the Wednesday after that, okay, will be the My Seminary Life holiday special Because if I don't do it then, it will be coming out on Christmas Day, and that's not going to happen. So the Wednesday, it's going to be the Wednesday after the last episode, which is also the Wednesday before Christmas. But we are here today to talk about the emotional life in discipleship. This has been a conversation going on on the side with the class. So... Each week, just about each week, there has been an article that we have had to read and then sit down and write a four-page reflection on. And three of the, I think, five total articles that we have had to read have revolved around this topic to some degree of the emotional life of the believer. For a very long period of time, in Christianity, in modern-day American Christianity, emotions were always, well, to two extremes. In my world, emotions were on this level of, it's bad. Emotions are corrupt things that keep us away from properly worshiping God and making rational decisions, while in more of like the charismatic world, you have a very heavily embracing of emotions and emotional responses, possibly to the point of idolatry, of wanting those emotional responses every time you come to the Lord in service, in singing, and whatever it may be. So this was kind of like the two worlds, and predominantly it was the emotions are bad people whose voice were the loudest. This book, or these articles, along with a number of newer books that have been coming out probably more over the past 20 years, so they're not that, 
this isn't like a very new change of pace, is starting to address more the emotional side of a believer. Emotional intelligence is one of those buzzword phrases you may hear a lot on like leadership podcasts or leadership books and TED Talks and whatnot, but emotional intelligence is important. People need to be able to mature in their emotions, but not cut themselves off completely from their emotions. I had a friend in college who, after they took the Myers-Briggs test, they found out, which definitely shows you how old I am, you now know what personality quiz was popular when I was in college. After he took the Myers-Briggs and found out that he was a thinker, he became very different. I remember, like, the first few weeks, like, the first semester of knowing him in college, he was this fun, fun, outgoing guy. But after he found out he was a thinker, he, like, cut himself off completely from his emotions, and just became very analytical in everything. And I really think this has something to do with the fact that in that intermediate in-between period, he got turned down by a girl he really liked. And so I really think this was a response that he had to those negative feelings. And honestly, I think that is a response that many men, probably women as well, but many men struggle with of we have had our feelings hurt and so we are going to cut ourselves off from our emotions. The goal in life is not to cut ourselves off from our emotions. The goal in life is to mature our emotions and as believers to mature our emotions to a place where we are able to use our emotions for the kingdom of God. At youth group coming up in this next semester, we have a series on the emotional life of Jesus. And I am very excited for this series. I'm really interested to see this. Because I think 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, this never would have been a conversation of Jesus' emotional response to different situations. We, I mean, uh, we gloss over sometimes the, the anger of flipping over the money changer tables, the grief that he observed at the tomb of Lazarus or over Jerusalem for their unbelief. We always, in times past, I've heard these sermons and have heard it kind of glossed over as like, well, Jesus is holy and perfect, so he was able to do this well. And there was no like calling us to mature to be able to do that as well, to grieve, to weep when we grieve, to grieve over the lost souls, to have a righteous anger. Like, these things were not taught. But now, we're starting to move more into this direction of, hey, we need to cultivate people to be able to use their emotions for the kingdom of God. And this is a part of discipling. This is a part of discipling. And I see this in my own ministry as a uh, crew leader, as we call them, at youth group. I work with eighth grade boys. So I'm obviously we're very concerned about trying to get them to understand the faith better, understand where they are at and what steps they need to take in their relationship with Jesus or to come to Jesus 
for the first time. But there is also a level of trying to help them mature as young men as well. And it's not easy with some of them, but just setting this model as a coach, as a shepherd, both of us, myself and my co-crew leader, just setting this tone of like, okay, we've talked a lot this year about respect. You know, some of the guys, they don't really like each other too much and they're a little passive aggressive about it. And so we've talked about, hey, when we are doing our crew time, we are here to mutually respect one another. And some of you are not speaking well of one another. And when we try to set that example of not picking on everybody, even though it's really fun and really easy to pick on middle schoolers, to not pick on everybody, but to actually build one each, build each other up in loving good works verbally. <clears throat> Emotions matter. We need to build each other up and to help sanctify our emotions. Really, the entire book of Psalms does that. The entire book of Psalms is a book of songs that deal with different emotions. Songs of lament, Psalms of lament, that's basically biblical emo. Like, that is, that is heavy, life is bad, and I don't like it. But there's a hopefulness turn. That's, and that's where we need to start taking more people in our discipleship is that when they're dealing with these negative emotions, we need to help them have this turn into this is the hope that we have in Jesus. How do we do that? Well, this leads us to the second article of the three that I want to highlight here. It was an entire article on listening. Listening is the biggest thing, one of the biggest tools in the arsenal of someone who is discipling other people. Listening gets at the core of what the other person needs most. In this article, it was highlighting three things that have really damaged the present world. First, we have the pandemic. So obviously, this article is very recent, dealing with how distanced everybody is from one another now, having to do everything online or being socially distanced or it's, you know, minimum capacity, things like that. This is one way that we have all been divided. And that has built a very lonely, depressed, and divided culture. The second thing is, of course, social media, specifically looking at Gen Z. Gen Z is old enough now to be graduating from college and going into the workforce, and studies are showing that Gen Z has extreme anxiety and is doing poorly at their jobs because they they have lived their life behind a screen that they have little to no ability to communicate face-to-face with other people. And finally, the third area is an idolization of extroversion. The desire for extroverted leaders uh, is a byproduct of the Industrial Revolution. 
because extroverts give off this vibe of they know what they're doing. They speak first, they react, they, they're quick to do things, they, they carry themselves with confidence, where the rest of us introverts, we maybe, we come off a little bit more timid, maybe insecure, because we're introspective and reflective before we respond, usually. Usually. Sometimes I can, like, jump right into it. But anyway, in all three of these areas, what we see is people who are extremely lonely, more people who are extremely lonely, and then a lack of introspection. <clears throat> Which really, even social media b- builds into this as well, of a lack of introspection as we are just constantly filling our heads with content on social media. So for those of us who do discipling, small group leaders, youth group leaders, whatever it may be, for those of us who do discipling, we need to embrace listening. (coughs) Because active listening, verbal cues, head nodding, the whole nine yards, you know, asking, probing questions, following up on conversations that we've had in the past. Active listening with somebody communicates that you care. And we are dealing with a very, very lonely generation. We're dealing with a very lonely population. And when it comes specifically to discipling Gen Z, when we are actively listening, especially face-to-face, we are helping them build relational skills. It kind of goes back to this previous conversation of how do we help build people's emotional health and mature in their emotional health. We also do that by active listening to help them build their relationship-building skills. And then finally, introspection, listening, being silent and reflective, you can still be an introvert and be in charge of something. The point of this article was that introverts are bad and shouldn't lead anything. But the point was that even introverts need to be able to harness this skill of being silent and introspective to continue to develop in their spiritual and emotional maturity. So, the emotional life needs to be matured in ourselves and in others. How do we do that in discipleship? We do that through active listening, and we do that personally through introspection. That's your summary so far. Then we come to this third article. And the third article was, I read this actually like week two, maybe? And it's been on my mind, and I've been wrestling with it for a while. It comes from somebody down at Southern Seminary. um, And it wrestles with this idea of counseling. So, counseling ministries have grown and are very important and significant in many church ministries now. This article was, to some degree, arguing that we don't need that. What we need is to better train people to disciple each other. And through discipleship, you'll be able to 
deal with a lot of these issues that normally are turned into counseling sessions. I like it, and I don't like it. (laughs) I like it because, on the one hand, I think there are times where there are maybe more, I don't want to say minor issues, because I don't want to, like, downplay somebody's need for counseling. But there are situations where a person who is well-trained in discipleship with life experience that they may be able to sit down with somebody who has gone who is going through a similar life experience and be able to disciple them through it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's kind of where a lot of the one-on-one discipleship m- methods kind of fall in is like okay, this is a young believer who is really star- struggling with a porn addiction maybe. We'll just throw an option out there. Um and then you have someone who has maybe conquered that in their life. Okay, we'll set up a discipleship group for you to kind of work through this with this person. Rather than, okay, just go to counseling. That's kind of that type of mentality I'm okay with. On the other hand, though, I'm not really all for this idea of like completely getting rid of counseling. There are some people out there who need to be under a licensed counselor. And if training someone to do discipleship and becoming a licensed counselor are two different things. The licensed counselor is going to have more tools to do the work that someone who is doing discipleship is doing. Now, that was the argument of the article, is that they're just doing the same thing. So we just need to better train our the people to do discipleship. I, on the other hand, would say we need to better train our people to do discipleship, but we also need to get people to be trained to be licensed counselors as well. And a good way to do that is to make higher education cheaper. That's just my two cents on that. Anyway, um, so this has been something I've been wrestling with for basically the duration of the class of like, can we, should we just have discipleship to be the means of counseling or do we need both? I really think we need both. I think if the body of Christ was more well equipped to disciple one another and there was that tone of, Hey, you all can just meet together and minister towards one another. I think in the long run, you can deal with a lot of these issues that people do go to counseling for. But to say that we don't need counseling ministries, I think that is a step backwards. I think that is a bad step. If anything, we need more of both. We need more licensed counselors in churches. We need more people... We need more people to be able to disciple one another. Because if we can disciple each other through the power of listening and prayer and scripture, if we use these tools to help build people and help them mature in their spiritual and emotional life, there may be less of a demand for counseling. And that would be very helpful for all of our counselors who are really overworked right now Because we live in a very lonely generation. 
in a very lonely time period. It's all very cyclical. <laughs> we need more of everything. We need better training. We need to take this ministry seriously. We need to build disciples. And we can build disciples by teaching this, what we've gone over in this episode, of the importance of listening to help cultivate people's spiritual and emotional lives. <clears throat> well, that is it by way of the My Seminary Time as we now move into the My Life Time. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. I've enjoyed every Friday now. I post a picture and a, um, and a story of something going on in my life, usually revolving around that day specifically, but maybe something that's gone on over the week. And it's just been, uh, the, the conversations and the fun that has been happening through those posts has been enjoyable to me. So thank you all for, for jumping on. And if you haven't gotten on social media yet, you definitely need to head over to Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod. Like and follow for that and more updates. But as for this weekend, today, ladies and gentlemen, is the actual annual, the sixth annual Christmas date. When my wife and I first started dating, she was in college doing online classes, and they, her classes were going to end seriously like December 23rd or something like that, and she had all these finals and all these, you know, papers, <clears throat> and I remember her saying to me, like, I just don't feel that Christmassy spirit right now. I just don't, I'm just not feeling it right now. And so, I, wanting to be the greatest boyfriend in history, sat down and planned a ginormous Christmas-packed day for us. We went and looked at lights, we went to the movies, we walked around the mall, even though it was chaotic, but it was just to be there. And every year since then, we have had a Christmas date leading up to Christmas. And there are a couple things that have maintained or have become traditions. We always go and look at lights. We always stop and get a hot beverage to drink while we go and look at those lights. We always look, watch a movie. And we always get Mexican for dinner. We always end up at a Mexican restaurant for dinner. So we're looking forward to it tonight. We got a fun evening ahead of us. Going to a Christmas market. Uh, going to a local... Uh, restaurant Fat Burrito, and then we're going to head out to Cedar Lake for a light show and maybe grab a hot chocolate on the way over. And I think we're going to watch Jingle All the Way this evening if we've got the energy. Tomorrow, I don't think there's really anything going on tomorrow, <laughs> which is good because I have an eight-page paper due and I need to be working on that. <clears throat> so that's probably all. My class ended last week, and we're going to circle back to that in March for another round for the teens, so that'll be good. But yeah, that is all that is happening with me. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, then please take a moment to rate and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now, or head on over to the My Seminary Life Facebook page 
where you can write a recommendation on there as well. You can also follow us on Instagram at MySeminaryLifePod for other fun updates throughout the week. And more than the recommendation, I would really appreciate it if you told someone you knew about the show. Word of mouth is the best way to advertise for this show. And finally, you can follow me, Brandon Knight, on Instagram and TikTok at just.brandon.k for other fun, faith-based content. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brandon Knight. Keep on studying.